Uh, I'd like us to look at a journey, uh, Luke 24, we're going to read from verse um, 13. I, I've had some interesting uh, journeys, we had an absolutely disastrous one when our kids were little, when one of, uh, one of our children did um, what I can only describe as it turned the car into a biohazard. And, and uh, we had to stop the car and, uh, and, it, and it was so impossible, we had to pin him down on the bonnet. And, uh, oh, I've given away now, sorry, Joel. Uh, <laughs> two daughters and a son, a bit of a giveaway. Uh, anyway, he's not here today. Uh, so uh, I had to pin him down on the bonnet and it was kind of, it was kind of a, a universal one. And, uh, and I, can, I can vividly remember us really struggling with this, this one baby crying in the car, the other one pinned down on the bonnet, trying to do a kind of mega change. And, uh, and Debbie's mum, my mother-in-law, just sitting in the car, laughing and laughing and laughing at us. Anyway, he was kind of changed on the journey. And uh, we had another awful one once going to Uganda, where we got there 72 hours late, because we, we went via Dubai. I flew into Dubai and then couldn't fly out again, because low cloud and rain came in. I didn't know they had that in Dubai. But, uh, so we stayed there 24 hours. Then we landed in, in Tebe to go to the conference. And, uh, and immediately we were hit by a lorry and spent there another 24 hours in a police station <laughs> doing our reports. And we got there. And it was interesting because by the time you got to the conference, you thought, God, you must, you must really want us at this conference. It actually weirdly built up our faith and um, everything's described as a journey now isn't it and if you watch you know the great pottery throwdown or the bake-off or um, what's the dancing one that one strictly come dancing um, it's all kind of they're all describing how they how their journey their strictly journey their bake-off journey and what what they mean by that of course is that that during the course of events that transpire that they're changed like Joel was changed, but much more significantly, they're changed as they're changed as people because of what happens on the journey, and and that's what happens in this this famous story, often spoken of after Easter. So you, you, I'm either really early and ahead of my time, or very slow on the uptake. So anyway, Luke 24 verse 13. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognising him. They asked him, what are you discussing as you walked along? They stood still, they just stopped. Their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. 
didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Well, that's a famous journey story. Uh, when the disciples failed to recognise who was with them. And it says in verse 13, this all happened on the same day. That's how it it starts off. The uh, the same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. This was, let's just remind ourselves, this is the same day that Mary went to the tomb and finds it mysteriously open and the the great big uh, carved out rock kind of out of its slot where it rolled to and fro to seal the tomb. And so she can't anoint the body. She's really upset. It's that it's that day. It's the same day that the angels appear to the, to the women. The women who are, are distraught, they go to anoint the body, which is tr- tradition uh, in, in that part of the world. And, and, and an angel appears to them and says, he's not here, he's risen. And that fantastic question, what, why are you looking for the living among the dead? What, what are you doing looking here? This is, this, is, this is a graveyard. Why are you looking here? He's, he's alive. He's not here. It's the same day that Peter and John did that running race. Do you remember? They, they, they heard the news from the ladies. Don't know why they didn't believe the ladies, but they didn't. And uh, it's a very male culture. So they go off to find out the truth for themselves. John won the running race. He was a faster runner. But he pauses at the, at the entrance to the tomb. He's a little bit... Not sure what to do now. Peter being Peter, he just blunders into everything. So he he arrives, goes into the tomb and and he sees the strips of cloth just lying there. It's kind of intimated that they're kind of as if they're still all all wrapped up. Boom. But there's no no body in them. And the head head cloth laying uh, to one side, folded folded up. And and he he believes. And they go off wondering, what's happened? This is... Resurrection Sunday, the greatest day in history so far. Some of the disciples are going crazy with joy. Some are still crazy with fear, locked up in a room because after all their master's been crucified. What are the authorities going to do to us? Uh, and that, that's the kind of what's going on. But two of them, two of them instead decide they're going for a walk. And they're going off. They're going on a seven mile walk, roughly seven miles to the west of Jerusalem. They're walking into the setting sun, but it isn't romantic, it's depressive. That's, that's the kind of mood. Why are they leaving their friends, their community at such a, a critical time when, when maybe he's risen? Uh, why, why are they leaving? So some, some silly suggestions include that uh, the donkey from um, the entry into Jerusalem had never been taken back. So they're, they're kind of returning the donkey three days late, four days late. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, another person suggested that they were early starters and Jesus had said to go two by two. Uh, and so they'd, um, so, so they'd started on the mission. Uh, but clearly their answers prove that that's not 
the case, because when Jesus asks them what's happening, they just stop in their tracks and their, their, heads, their heads go down. They're, they're, they're going because they can't cope with any more. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. Maybe some of us are like, are like that this morning. It's, there's all been too much change, too much chaos, too much disappointment, and they've had enough. You might say, I need some headspace. Uh, they might be saying, I, they just need to get out. It's all gone weird. And I'm sure over the last two and a half years, we've all at various points felt a little bit like that, haven't we? <laughs> the kind of the, the tiredness, the lockdown, so many changes in society and the church and economic this and gas bills that and um, Ukraine and everything going a bit crazy. And, and, and they just wanted out. But the more important question is, what's Jesus doing? That's always the most important question to ask, isn't it? What's Jesus doing now? And I can kind of understand the disciples sloping off. I don't know about you. I can identify with that. It's just all, it's just all too much. It's all too disappointing. Uh, we're, we're off. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. What Jesus was doing is this. He was walking beside them. And I, I, I love that. I really love that. And Jesus clearly doesn't know walking etiquette. He's definitely not English. We know that. Um, you know, normally if you're walking, I don't know what you do. If you're walking up on the Malvern Hills and you're slowly catching up with someone, I don't know what most English people, what do they do? They, exactly. They slow down. They try and keep a respectable English or British distance between them. But then if they find they're still catching up, what do they do then? They, they, go, they suddenly put a spot on. They go, morning. And then they slow down to their normal pace again. That's, that's kind of the English way to do it, because it's kind of it. But Jesus didn't do that. Now, I don't know whether that's just because he's Middle Eastern, maybe. Uh, but but he, he just kind of, he's just walking. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're, you're in a group going, and then some random person just kind of attaches themselves to, to your group, and you're kind of, who is he? I don't, I don't know. And because and they, they didn't recognise him for some mysterious reason. And, and so Jesus is just, just there listening in to their story. And, and that's a, I think it's a really helpful point. He, Jesus walks with the weak and the disappointed, with the broken. He, he's walking there. They don't know that he's there, but he is there. My, my auntie, remember my uh, auntie used to have um, one of those Victorian things up on the a dining room wall that Jesus was the silent, uh, was it? He's the, uh, he's the hidden guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. It's a little bit spooky, I always thought. But anyway, it's true, but, but, but a bit weird. And um, anyway, but Jesus is, he's just there walking alongside them, listening to them. Of all the things you think, if I was Jesus, what would I have done? I, I would have wanted, because I'm a bit mischievous, I would have wanted to go and see Herod and just say, Boo, it's me. <laughs> or something, and then disappear. That's what I would have wanted to do. Or maybe other people would be having a resurrection party in Jerusalem, you know, a bit like the Jubilee one, but much, much better. Uh, something like that. But Jesus wasn't with the brightest and happiest that day. He was walking with the quitters. I love that. He's walking with the fearful. He's walking with those who are mourning, for those who are really broken in spirit. And Jesus pursues those who've got a broken heart. They're not aware of him often. But he, nevertheless, he walks beside us. Here's a verse for someone. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to... Who, who would you think? Oh, you might think those that read their Bible every day. The Lord is close to 
those that are really good. It's, no, it's those who are brokenhearted. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He wants to be with these two who are going on walkabouts. And, and he's not with them. You know, you can kind of have a, if you've been a Christian a long time, you kind of have a doctrine that Jesus is always with us because he's everywhere. But it's more than that. It, it, he's not with them just kind of theologically or metaphorically. He's really and truly with them. He's a, he's a good shepherd. He's going after the sheep, after the sheep that are wandering off. So being, be encouraged if that's you today. Be encouraged. That's how he views you. Jesus wants to walk with us, whatever we're going through. And, and, then, and then after invading their space, it gets even more awkward because he then says, um, what are you talking about? And I, I, I know if you can actually imagine being there, I think, I think it's, kind of, it's kind of awkward, isn't it? Some person you don't recognise coming out and saying, oh, you're talking about some, a big bereavement. And someone says, oh, what are you talking about? It's all kind of a bit insensitive, really. Certainly not British, anyway. <laughs> but then he isn't. Uh, Jesus, and here's the, point, here's the teaching point. Jesus wants to know what's going on in our hearts. He's genuinely interested in what's going on in our hearts. He, he wants to know about our feelings, our sufferings, our murmurings, our relationships, our, our worries, because he genuinely wants a relationship. And, and there's de- dejected Cleopas, who says, are you the only visitor Jer- to Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? Because the whole, the whole city's a buzz with this. There's been the triumphant entry, there's people crying, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. They all think this is the Messiah coming to deliver them, and, and then he's crucified. Everyone's talking about it. And, uh, uh, and they say to Jesus, ironic, ironic really, they say, don't you know... And the irony is this, he's the only one who does know what's gone on, really. The others haven't a clue what's going on. Uh, Jesus is the only one who really knows, and he's the only one who knows what it's like to sweat blood, anticipating the cross in the, in the garden, to, split, to sweat, as it were, drops of blood. He's the only one who, who knew what it was like to face that, the agony of, of feeling separation from his father. He's the only one who knows what it's like to have the nails drive through and yet be able to say, Father, forgive them. He's, he's the only one to feel that sense of abandonment. God, why have you forsaken me as he took my shame, my guilt, your shame and your guilt upon himself? He's the only one who does understand what's happened. Uh, so why does he say what things? Because he kind of knew, didn't he? he? He knew more than anyone else knew. Uh, and the reason he asked what things is because he really wants to hear their hearts. And I love that, because that's true for us. Jesus really wants to hear their heart. He, he joins them and he joins us too in whatever we're going through and, and says, tell me, tell me about your perspective. He, he knows, because he knows all things, he's God. But he wants to know thoughts and feelings because he wants relationship. That's what relationship is, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't know how many of us struggle to pray I think probably all of us would put our hands up at some point or another. How, how about, rather than thinking of prayer as saying our prayers, we thought, let's just tell Jesus what's going on in my head. Why not just tell Jesus the things that I'm worried about, concerned about, the things that are going to be doing next week, the things that I'm bothered about in the world? That, that puts a whole different light on it, doesn't it? Because that's what he's basically saying. Hey, what, hey, tell me, what's on your mind? Share with me your thoughts and feelings. He, he knew, but he wanted relationship. He wanted that to and fro, and he wants the same with us. He asks us the same question probably today as he asked them. Hey, tell me what's on your mind. 
What's been going on then? What's occurring? <laughs> he, he, want, he genuinely wants that relationship. And dis, so, the, so it's quite humorous, really. The disciples tell Jesus about Jesus. Uh, I'm not sure they got it all right. I probably didn't. I'm sure they didn't. Uh, and it's very poignant because they say, well, we had hoped. That's a, that's a telling phrase, isn't it? And, and it, some of us have got those in our lives. Well, we had hoped that by now, da, da, da. we had hoped that it would be like this. We had hoped such and such. Uh, and, and so they tell Jesus all about it. They, they wanted the Messiah to fix things, but their hopes had been dashed. They were disappointed. And, and now, as I say, by, by the way, by, it's now the third day. He's, he's dead. He's definitely dead. He's kind of triple dead by now. He's definitely dead. This is the third day. And Jesus answers them in tenderness. How foolish you are. How slow you are to believe what the prophet said. I, I don't think he was harsh. I think it was said with tenderness. And then he says, now let me give you some truth. That's usually what we need, isn't it? We need someone to be compassionate, to be alongside us, not say too much. We need someone to, to pour our hearts out to. And then usually we need to receive some proper truth. And he says, hey, didn't the Christ have to suffer? And he explained the scriptures. I would, I would love a kind of... YouTube translated version of that. Seven miles of Bible study from Jesus. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Seven miles up before, I don't know how long that took. But he went through the word of God, saying, talking about himself. All the Old Testament, I don't know, wonder what he said. I wonder if he said, hey, you know, I'm like the ark. You, get, you trust me and you get rescued from judgment. Hey, I'm like the snake that Moses put up in the wilderness. You trust me, I'll, I'll heal you from your problems. Hey, do you remember the, 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 um, the ram caught in the thicket and God said, I'll provide a sacrifice. Well, I, I'm, I'm the sacrifice that saves you. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm like the temple. I'm the, I'm the sacrificial lamb. I don't know all of it. I'm the suffering servant in Isaiah. I don't know what he did. I bet it was fantastic and fascinating. So much so that their, that their, their hearts were burning. But interestingly, they still didn't get it, which I think for those of us who preach is a real consolation. <laughs> The greatest preacher who ever lived gave seven miles of Bible study and they were, oh, <laughs> do you want some supper? <laughs> it's interesting. But Jesus, actually afterwards, they, when, they, when they came to understand, they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Jesus transforms our understanding with truth. That's why the word of God, the Bible, is so important that we keep digging in, keep uh, under, learning, keep growing in that way. And Jesus then makes as if to go elsewhere. And then he, in verse 30, he says, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, shared it amongst them, and their eyes were opened. What an amazing moment. I, I, I'm really interested in art, and it's a fantastic picture by a guy called Caravaggio. Uh, and he depicts the exact moment when they recognised him. And there's kind of Jesus there, and he's just breaking bread. And Peter's arm is kind of shooting out of the picture. It's kind of... <gasps> And, and he captures that moment. It's, it's fantastic, isn't it? And interestingly, Jesus, only four days earlier, had said, this is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. Isn't it? This is, so this is a repetition already of those, to those that had already forgotten. Isn't it interesting? Four days later, they, they didn't recognise Jesus. They didn't know what was going on. And, and Jesus revealed himself afresh in the bread and the wine. So I'm so pleased we broke bread this morning because it, it's an opportunity again to say, Jesus, thank you. You did this for me. It's an opportunity again to just recognise who he is and what he's done. 
So there's the disciples left with, with burning hearts. Uh, so what happens next is, well, they get up and they hot foot it back to Jerusalem. They put on their Adidas fast walking sandals. Uh, they get back to, to be right in the centre. They've, they've been removed. They've been on the periphery. They'd, they'd removed themselves from the heart of things. And now that basically, it's what a picture of repentance, isn't it? Is they turn around. Jesus changes their mind so they think straight. And then he turns them around and they go in the right direction rather than the wrong direction. And the right direction was back into the heart of things. Amazing visual aid. And having seen him and recognised him, they, they can't, they've got to be with the others. They've got to share the good news. And, and Jesus kind of invites them back into the centre of his mission. Because that's, that's where it all started, wasn't it? Jerusalem, where the spirit was poured out. They began to share the good news in Jerusalem and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And we're part of that process well, as well. So what have we seen? Jesus joins us. Wherever you are this morning, Jesus is beside you. You may not feel like it. It may feel awful. I don't know. But Jesus joins you. And, and, and he just walks especially close to the brokenhearted. And he wants to hear your heart and my heart. I think that's fantastic. But then when we pour out our hearts to him, he, he corrects our understanding with truth. He reveals himself in the giving of himself again in, fret, in bread and wine. And he, and he asks us, he invites us to come on, get back in now. Get back in, be with the others and join me on a mission. So I, I don't know if anyone's hurting and upset and identifies with the disciples, but in just a few moments, just going to pray for us in a few moments. Uh, and the other thing is, I think this is just a wonderful picture of how we need to be with others, isn't it? To, to be like, we often think, what would Jesus do? Remember those little bracelets, WW, whatever it was, what would Jesus do? I often think, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Jesus would do. But, but here's what he does do. He's, he, he, if you find someone who's who's broken, someone who's struggling, you just, just be with them. That's, that's what Jesus did. It's not rocket science. Don't need a degree in outreach. Just, just, just be with them. Don't even, he didn't even say anything at first. And, and then the second thing he did is he just listened. What's, tell me about yourself. We, we can all do that, can't we? It's not, again, it's not, it's not too difficult. Tell me about yourself. And then... It's, so. I wonder if this week we'll get opportunities just to listen to someone, just, just to prompt them, say, hey, tell me what's going on then? How are things for you? Just to listen to them, hear their heart. Maybe we'll have the opportunity also to just pop, pop in a bit of truth about Jesus, just to sow some seeds about him, because he invites us to join him in his mission. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray then. I want to I pray uh, for all of us that we'll be like Jesus in terms of getting alongside people. But I want to firstly just pray for those that are struggling, just like those disciples were. Jesus, thank you that you know our hearts, just like you knew those disciples, but you, you still ask us to tell you all about it. And I pray for any who, uh, like these disciples, feel broken, feel like running away, struggling with life. I pray, Jesus, you would um, enable them to unburden themselves to you, to talk to you. Thank you that you are beside us. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see you, 
to know that you're there right beside us, even in the midst of our difficulties, even when we're kind of running away. Thank you, God, that you're close to the brokenhearted. And Jesus, for all of us, I pray that we would, by your Holy Spirit, be enabled to be like you this coming week. I pray you give us people to just listen to, give us people to talk to, give us people that, where we can share a nugget of the truth about you. Thank you that you turn us around, you give us truth so that we can join you in your wonderful mission. So we pray that we do that with joy this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.